we got we got so many cards today, Devin. We're not going to do any funny wind up or anything like that. Not talk about football. Ah, I mean, what's there to talk about? <laughs> it's like the four best teams are left. Yeah, that is a good point. It's it's like pretty scripted at this point. Right? I mean, I, I don't know who you're pulling for at this point, but I'm just hoping for a good game. Of course, kind of want the Lions to win. I mean, actually, yeah, I would kind of be a monster if I didn't say I wanted the Lions to win. I guess. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 259 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies, and new cards, and suspects, and mysteries, and cases for the casual spike. My name is Dave. I'm here in the lovely western suburbs of Chicago, and with me on the line from lovely, lovely Massachusetts, it's the one and only Devin O'Donnell, aka Doomwake. Doomwake. Western, western suburbs of Boston. Western suburbs of, of Boston. You know, all the best bands come from the western suburbs of everywhere, right? Yeah, that is a good point. They're pretty good ones. You know what else is pretty good? New sets. That and also Heavy Play. Heavy Play, the new card gaming accessories brand that'll improve your gameplay and your game day. Have you heard about this? Oh, look at this. I may have heard about this. What do you have there? Curves. <laughs> sleeves. You want to talk yeah, about the, the sleeves today? I would love to. Uh, yeah, I just got uh, some stuff in the mail because I was um, I, I had Randy send me some stuff because I'm uh, you know planning on playing in Chicago. So I figured I would get some sleeves so I could sleeve my decks up. But yeah, I mean, this is like um, I, I just I absolutely love this stuff. They this, the sleeves have like this little curve on them so they don't they don't catch at the edges. Great, great products. Get some, uh, the, you know, the the ergonomic design for their play mats and deck boxes with the equip mag system. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yep, Love absolutely. It. Their playmats, deck boxes, and card sleeves feature enhanced ergonomics, mobility, and protection. Got to get those bullet points in for Randy every week, and they will, uh, you know, they will change your gameplay and your game day. As I said earlier, if you can go to heavyplay.com and use our new code, the Dive Down Twenty Twenty Four, you get ten percent off your first order. And as Devin mentioned. He's going to be in Chicago. Randy is also going to be in Chicago. So if you happen to be here for MagicCon Chicago, you should come by in addition to saying hi to myself because I live here and Devin because he'll be visiting. Uh, save some time in your heart for Randy. Stop by, check out Heavy Play if you want to see it in person, see what the stuff is like, and uh, let him know that the Dive Down sent you. Now, Devin, this is the first time that we've spoken since you have decided to come and join us in, in at the MagicCon. Was it the Italian beef that finally convinced you? It was the chili dogs. The chili Shane dogs. and I had Shane and I had a deep conversation about chili dogs last week. So mm-hmm. that's really what it was. All right. Yes. John Mellencamp style. Yes. He is from Indiana, which we kind of claim uh, when we want to in Chicago. We claim it as part of our part of our eastern suburbs. As it turns out, you just out. get to pick pick people that aren't from the area, and you're like, yeah, you know what? You're actually from Chicago pick, now. Oh, yeah. Chicago, yeah, and New York, by the way, are both infamous for doing that for sure. And you know, maybe a little bit of Boston too. But so, what what do you what are you planning on doing here? Do you have a, in mind a certain event you want to try? You're going to try to spend time with, or kind of what what are you doing? I'm kind of just going for the vibes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm planning on playing the 75k mm-hmm. kind of the big standard open tournament which by the way i found out the other day that you know that's a three-day event oh it starts friday yeah 
I was planning on a flying in Friday, like Friday morning. And it's a good thing I looked at the tournament schedule before I did so, because I found out that it's actually day one is Friday. Day two is Saturday and top eight Sunday. So it's like I uh, couldn't fly, couldn't fly in Friday. So good thing I checked that out. But yeah, I'm going to plan that and um, hopefully try to find a good Chicago deep dish place. Hopefully maybe you and you or Shane can recommend someone. I will help you out with that for sure. All right. Yes. Yeah, we, we have a we have a whole itinerary that we will be sharing with you if you for things if you would like to do them. Uh, and uh, we will also be sharing some of those things with the listeners, of course, if they would like to come and join us. You can pencil in that we are probably going to have some kind of meetup on Saturday night. Listeners, we haven't picked a location yet. We've talked about it on the show a couple of times. We're working through it right now, uh, but would love to meet people uh, either at the con or after. So Chicago's coming up. Let us know if you're interested in coming. You know, pop in Spotify. Give us a, a note that you're coming. Send us an email, whatever. Uh, it'd be nice to know. So what you're saying is party at Dave's house. I would love to. You know what? 15 years ago, it would have been at my house. These, <laughs> these days... Number one, not so much. There's too many Legos around my house for anybody to really come over. But um, yeah. But on this week's show, a lot of new cards. Yes, a lot of lot of new cards. We are solving mysteries. We are building mysteries. This is one of the most strangely themed sets I feel like we've had in a while. But it's kind of cool, and I I think that the cards are turning out to be a bit more interesting than we thought. So we're going back to Ravnica to see who died, who didn't, and who done it with a set that I am calling Only Murders in the Gilding. Do you uh, are you familiar with the show, with the show Only Murders in oh, the Building? I I have heard of that, yeah. <laughs> so, that is a good one. I like it. Only Murders so in was, the Gilding. I think it was Jace with a wooden spoon in the lavatory. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Yeah, in the lavatory. That's messy. A little bit. All right. So we are go- doing spoilers for murders at Karlov Manor today. The other running joke about, about this, of course, is everybody keeps calling it Markov Manor. Well, I'm sure we'll get a set called Markov Manor at some point in the future, but... I hope it's just like an unset, too, where they just like take all the cards from this set, you know what I mean? And they just like kind of put spinoffs. That'd be, that'd be great. They just make them all vampires and not Innistrad and all yep. of that kind of stuff. But first, really quick housekeeping before we hop in. We've got one new patron, Michael P. Michael P., thank you so much for joining us at the $5 level. We really appreciate it. If you would like to go and check us out on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash the dive down to support us through that platform. You can go to our store at the dive down.com slash store. And finally, you know, we talked about heavy play earlier, but we also are brought to you in part by Mana Traders. Mana Traders is the best place to rent magic cards on Magic Online. Uh, and if you have not checked them out, I would encourage you to do so. It's the way that we can do most of our playtesting. Great service. We've been using them for the entire run of the show at this point. I'm sure Devin's been using them for as long as well, four or five you know, years at this point. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm on at least four years. So. Yeah, exactly. Great, great service. They're always there. Uh, go check out manatraders.com. The code you can use for us right now is the dive down underscore 3Y0. This will be good through the end of February, supposedly, but always check our show notes for our latest code. Uh, We're going to let them just auto-update going forward a little bit instead of asking for vanity ones because uh, in this new year, we're trying to get our egos under control here at the Dive Down. So we try to live humbly. Live humbly. Yeah, they change mine pretty frequently. And I think what they said is something to do with uh, websites picking up, like the algorithm websites where they just, you go in and type the code. So yeah, yeah. So trying to keep it fresh and real for them. You know, we're not doing any more wind up. We're not doing anything else. It's just time to dive into the breakdown, the murders, the murders of the breakdown. Just like a breakdown at a hardcore song. Like, do I need to like start mosh pitting and stuff? I mean, that's where it came from for sure. That's what that's what yeah. we all want. Um, I gotta say, I was pretty into like punk. I played 
like what was nominally a punk rock band when I was in high school. I don't know if I ever really fully understand what, understood what hardcore was or if any of the bands <laughs> that I listened to were <laughs> hardcore. I guess Minor Threat was, so I, you know, that that fits, but uh, you know, I didn't continue down that particular strain forever. Um, it's mostly just people doing karate in the mosh pit. I think that's kind of the 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 big distinct difference. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was very more like descendants related, so we were a bit more uh just, you know, people with pocket protectors and thick glasses in the mosh pit, I think. (laughs) Anyway, murders. So, you know, we always like to start with a little preview of the mechanics. Devin, anything you want to say off the top before we get into the mechanics of the set or anything like that? Um, I mean, this set looks free pretty sweet i almost uh i almost said a bad word there but the set looks pretty cool um it's i i think it's it's really awesome so far some interesting new mechanics i like that there's different spins on previous mechanics which we'll maybe touch on in a little bit with disguise and not just kind of like the same old stuff so it does seem like they're trying new stuff and uh it's it's good so far this set to me feels a little bit like the reboot of another set in disguise and we'll talk about that for a moment as well once we read through all these mechanics i do still think it's wild that like the cross promotion with Hasbro has led them to this like Clue branded set, but I do love the game Clue and uh, also love the movie Clue, one of my favorite movies of all t- of all time, probably that uh, very campy 80s comedy. Did you ever see that, Devin? I don't think so. Oh, man. I don't think I saw that one. It's good. Good cast. Good. Good Played the game a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love the game. My, my kids are fascinated with it. All right. So we got a lot of top-down designs to work our way through today. So because everything is like a winky eye reference to Clue, it's a winky eye reference to murder, murder movies, novels, all that kind of stuff. I promise I won't do my Columbo voice too much, but they are going for fun and flavorful with this set, and I think that that's where we are. So Devin already mentioned the first mechanic we're going to talk about, so let's do that. It is called disguise. Guess what? It's morph in disguise. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah, morph in disguise. I like it. The only thing about this morph is that the face-down creature that it creates has Ward 2, which is a pretty interesting move on the mechanic itself. Um, I don't know if it's going to matter that much for Constructed. You know, we've talked a couple of times about how adding Ward 2 to things maybe doesn't matter all that much in Constructed, but it really depends on the format and how much it costs you to have it. Um, You know, but I think it's an interesting way to balance the risk of playing a face down card for three mana as far as a mana investment goes so you don't get totally blown out on tempo if somebody kills it no it's very hard for somebody to use a one mana removal spell on your your morph because they have to pay three yeah that's the, that's kind of what i was thinking too like basically the exact same thing you said where it doesn't seem like the the added uh the added ward cost is going to met like even if there's playables for constructed which you know, with morph, there's not usually a ton of that kind of stuff. True. Like I can remember the last time they did, they did morph, there wasn't a ton that kind of came into standard. But you know, in, in modern and pioneer, to a lesser extent, the removal spells cost one, so the two mana that you're spending is not that much. And if you hold up mana, you just kill it on step. But when you limit and you're talking removal spells or two, three, four mana, it matters a lot more limited. Yeah, yeah, and that was a huge thing in cons too. Is like one of where the last time we had morph really was cons block. Been playing a lot of that lately on arena since it was up there, and I forget the name of. The the, um, there was even a two mana enchantment that gave minus two, minus two to debilitating injury. Yep, that's right. And that card is great in that format because yeah. you can just kill morphs right away. And so it's like a staple. And this set has shock in it for what it's worth. Now that we're going to keep talking about limited, but this set does have shock in it, which is like maybe that's a reason they felt like they could put shock in this set was because uh, it wasn't just going to blow people out all the time. But anyway, like Devin said, morph, the extra text is nice. It doesn't often come up with in standard or, or in anything beyond standard. 
Uh, but there is a sample card that was pretty interesting to me, and that card is called Unyielding Gatekeeper, just as an example of what these disguise cards look like. So Unyielding Gatekeeper, it's a generic and a white. It's a creature, elephant, cleric. It has disguise, generic and a white, which is a pretty like aggressive cost as far as morph goes usually like paying three and then two to flip it was a kind of on the cheaper end of most cards that you see with this mechanic and what it says is when unyielding gatekeeper is turned face up exile another target non-land permanent if you controlled it return it to the battlefield tap otherwise tapped otherwise its controller creates a 2-2 white and blue detective creature token this elephant cleric is a 3-2 so not an unreasonable body for two mana, I think if you were just going to play it straight, um, you know, it's a little bit disappointing if you invested five mana into it as a 3-2, but you also get to straight up exile another target non-land permanent and just give them a 2-2, uh, which is pretty good sometimes. You know, Skyclave is a pretty good card. Now we have another version of it that you can play below curve, attack a little bit harder into, and you can also use it to blink your own things as a bit of a trick. Uh, what do you think about a card like this? Uh, this is actually, it's funny you mentioned this because... This is, I think, at least for of the cards that we've seen so far, the one that is probably most likely to see play in Constructed. And, you know, I could see some applications in Pioneer, like the more there are some decks in Pioneer that can utilize blinking stuff because there's um, I'm, I'm thinking of a deck like and maybe Enigmatic Incarnation that has a lot of like tutor targets that they search for and you can flicker those. But, you know, I mean, I don't know if the mana, if the cost necessarily lines up well enough for modern, but I was thinking this with Evoke Elementals, mm. where you can go Evoke your Elemental, flip the this up with the evoke on the stack and boom there you go flicker it get it back so i don't know it's a little expensive for that so maybe but uh yeah i think the the, the stats are, are good enough that i think this one should see some play yeah yeah and no no spoilers given what we just said this is probably the only disguise card that we're going to talk about we'll see what else comes later but cool card uh so what went with morph last time we saw morph well we had manifest which is another mechanic that they have updated basically for this set, although they call it cloak. And so what cloak is, is you basically get kind of like you have text on a card that says something like cloak, the top card of your library cloak, something. And what that means is put it into the battlefield face down as a two, two creature with ward two. Hope that sounds familiar to you and then turn it up any time for its mana cost. If it's a creature card. So this is that kind of like auto morph card almost. I know that it sort of lets you do additional mechanics with face down things, but it does muddy the waters as to like how your cards got flipped upside down. It's a yeah. little little note for you limited folks. Like be sure you're tracking that stuff because at comp, comp REL events, people will ask you how cards got flipped and stuff like that. So just keep that in mind. But um this is another mechanic that I think is probably not going to rate too highly in Constructed, although I do have an example card here that was spoiled today on Monday that I thought is interesting. It's called Cryptic Coat, and it is two generic and a blue for an artifact equipment, and it says, when Cryptic Coat enters the battlefield, cloak the top card of your library, then attach Cryptic Cloak to it. Then it says to cloak a card, da 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 I just read all that rules text. And it says, equipped creature gets plus one, plus oh, and can't be blocked, and then it has an activated ability of generic in a blue return cryptic coat to its owner's hand. Note that there is hmm. no equip cost on this card anywhere. Oh, you can't move it. It's only it's only when it comes into play. Yeah, the only thing you can do is move uh, it back to your hand. Okay. 
Yeah, that's cool. Which is weird and interesting. But, you know, this is about them. I've only seen four or five cards so far that say cloak on them. So there's a chance that there might not be a ton of stuff here. But, um, you know, this was something that I thought just kind of caught my eye mostly because of the strange mechanic. But you can see how cloak works from this one. It's basically bringing the top card of your library into play as a token almost. And then you can do some shenanigans if it's a creature. Yeah, it's basically the same thing as like you said, manifest. I'm thinking Whisperwood Elemental, where that was like you could manifest something. And then if you hit an elf, you can flip it up for one mana, which is the same thing here. So it's basically the same thing. Uh, I think it's just they wanted to change the name of it to kind of fit the theme of the set. Yeah, and they wanted to account for the ward too on the face down card. I mean, there is another card that we can talk about and I'm only going to bring it up because of our mutual love for this, for a different card that is not this card, but Vanifar, Vanifar evolved Enigma two generic green blue for our favorite legendary creature, elf ooze wizard. This one says at the beginning of combat in your turn, choose one cloak, a card from your hand. That means you get to put on the battlefield, yada, 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 or put a plus one, plus one counter on each colorless creature you control. And Vanifar is a three, four. Um, is this your Whisperwood <laughs> elemental in this particular <laughs> set from what Pretty we've much, seen yeah. so far? Yeah. I guess you cloak from your hand instead of the top of your deck. So, yeah. Um, I, it, so this thing is kind of cool. I, I have a note here. It just says Eldrazi all caps question mark. So you can do stuff with like Eldrazi mimic matter shape or thought knots here, but you can also just make a bunch of like, servo or mirror or thopter tokens mm-hmm. and lord those so i don't know i mean maybe but we'll have to see yeah i agree this card i think is average i just wanted to talk about vanifar uh maybe someday vanifar. maybe someday the other one will be good <laughs> all right so investigate is in this set we're all pretty familiar with investigates um i call it investigate because it's a pretty Ooh. good mechanic <laughs> thanks Invest a mid. Invest a mid. I mean, it's it's not bad as long as they don't charge you for it, right? I mean, two game objects for one card are always good, right? But when the bar is set already by a card like Thraven Inspector for Investigate, which is like already doing most of what you would expect a card that has Investigate on it to do, I'm not sure how many things we're going to have that are beyond that. But well, we have we have a Thraven Inspector retrain we that we, we'll get to later. I definitely want to talk about that at some point. Uh, there's a weird card here, though, that I thought was an interesting example of Investigate 2, though, which is Deduce, which is a generic and a blue for an instance that just says, draw a card, investigate. So they printed a better think twice? or I mean, I guess it is better because it makes two game objects, right? So I don't know. It's an interesting card. I, I think it's reasonable, not amazing. I don't know if there's a place that would want it right away. Uh, I see you note that it could be good for creativity. I totally agree with that, that an instant speed thing that can make a token and draw you a card is pretty pretty good in that uh, that's that style of deck. Yeah, the creativity decks now play Secrets of the Key, which is just one mana investigate mm-hmm. and a splashback for four. So this just seems like a, a, a pretty significant upgrade to that card. Yeah, yeah. And who knows, there might be some other people who want to tell us that you can play Think Twice, Think Twice 2024 in your blue-white control deck. I, I probably wouldn't that. do that, but... <laughs> But Not the best idea. Those people also want to put Chase the Mind Sculptor in their, in their decks. So. True, true. All right, so here's here's where the set started to get like deja vu for me, for what it's worth, because the next mechanic is called Collect Evidence. Mm. And this is basically Kicker that's Delve, except it's for total mana cost of the cards that you are removing from your graveyard and not card count. So what we have here in this set so far is we have a Delve, Delve variant, we have a Manifest variant, we have a Morph variant. Is this just like a... Stealthy reboot of Kansa Tarkir. Kansa 
Yeah, weird. I didn't even think about it like that, but when you look at the mechanics and compare them to the previous ones, that yeah, it does kind of make sense. It's kind. Of, I don't know. I mean, I don't get why they would do it. I do think that um, obviously the flavor of I think the flavor of all of these mechanics actually does match with the storytelling for the set pretty well, which is kind of a job well done in that sense. Um, I think that the best way to talk about collect evidence is just give an example of a card so you can see how it's worded. So analyze the pollen is a green for a sorcery. And as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may collect evidence eight. So there's a number associated with it every time that tells you the mana value or greater that you're supposed to remove from your graveyard. So collect evidence eight for Analyze the Pollen. And the text of this card is, search your library for a basic land card. If evidence was collected, instead search your library for a creature or land card. Reveal that card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So this is Traverse the Ulenvald, but with collect eight instead of Delirium. And that's it. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, I think for some decks more than others, Evidence 8 might be easier to collect than Delirium. Like if you're playing with Street Wraith, Oliphant, Troll of Khazad-Doom, stuff like that, those are like expensive cards that are only one type. So I can see something like that. And uh, yeah, this one is, I think, potentially priced to move for, for Modern. Interesting. I just was kind of thinking, once I realized that this was Traverse the Ulenwald, because it took me a minute, I was like, wait, so what tutor is exactly like this? I know it's out there somewhere. And then I, because I used to love to play Shadow with Traverse, you know, like Traverse Shadow oh, yeah. back in that moment where you're like, yeah, we'll play one Manamorphos in our Shadow deck. Why not? <laughs> um, I don't know what deck wants to be able to tutor for one at this point anymore. So I'm, I'm not sure. I do think the I love what you pointed out about the cheap cycling cards, because then you only really have to remove one card from your graveyard or two cards from your graveyard to fire it off, which is a lot easier than it looks when you first read it. And of course, the other thing about the difference between this and Delirium is that if you're a deck that's doing shenanigans like that, you're probably reliant on the graveyard and you don't necessarily want a card that has to have a certain state in your graveyard with multiple cards to make it work right. So this is a little less vulnerable to graveyard hate than other delirium cards are. In, in a sense, you know, it's like you can probably load up your graveyard after somebody has Nihil Spellbombed you or something to get Analyze the Pollen going if you if you get in that situation where it's a little bit harder to do that uh, once you have gotten your delirium taken away. Right, yeah. yeah. If you'd like, you do this work to get delirium with Chandler, they, like you said, they Spellbomb you, but now all you really need is just like one troll and you're good to go. Yeah, so... Yeah. So do you think there's any deck that might be interested in a single mana creature or land tutor at this point that pops in your head or? I mean, you did mention Shadow and there maybe could be a Shadow reboot. Now, again, I don't know if this is it is extremely similar to Traverse and Shadow is not very good in modern right now with Traverse. I think Mm. there are maybe other reasons that Shadow is bad. So not necessarily that. I'm trying to think of like some other sort of reanimator style decks where you can like cycle a troll, put that into your graveyard. You can search for, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's tough to say, but it, it, it's, I mean, it's one mana. So we always, we're always going to look at one mana cards for modern. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. It does seem like it could be a powerful tool, especially I'm sure if Spike you, will play it. Well, yeah. Yeah. He'll find something, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then also, you know, the fact that you can also reveal any land card with this too is like maybe there's a payoff with a certain land card to make this happen as well. Yeah. We're okay. Getting trauma with it. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Cycle generous ent. Cast Sylvan Scrying. Exile generous ent. Sylvan Scrying. Get my Tron piece. You know what you're saying? You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? I, I actually <laughs> think that's pretty interesting. And later on, you can go and get one of your payoffs with it to one of your non planeswalker payoffs with yeah, it if a, you want get to. Get a Ulmog. Yeah. 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 All right, Tron players at home, if you're listening, you do do your work. 
man, maybe we solved it. I actually think that's pretty, <laughs> I think that could be pretty good for that, that crew. Uh, there's another card I want to ask you about in the context of Tron later, of course, but we'll see about that. All right. So suspects, I, this is not an important one. It's a designation that gets added to a creature. They get menace and can't block. I have not seen anything that looks constructed playable for this. It seems like a lim- flavorful limited mechanic, but we'll see. Maybe there's some attacker or something that gets suspect and it's meaningful. Um, cases. All right. So more multi-state. Who did you ask wizards for more multi-stage enchantments or is that somebody else's deal? Sure didn't. Yeah. That wasn't me. <laughs> okay. Well, when, when I first saw the text, I thought it, I thought it was a saga. And then I, as I read through the card, I'm like, uh, how does this work? So Dave, how, how, how exactly does this work? It's really wild. It's really wild. I do want to say number one, as a graphic designer, I am of two minds about cards like this, because the thing that you mentioned is it is visually laid out the same as classes and the same as sagas. And I'm like, is it terrible to put the text on the left of one of these and the picture on the right instead to make it a little bit, or am I just misremembering what these actually look like? Someone's going to be like, duh, uh, sagas do have the text on the left. No, you're right. It, 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 they're all the same. It's all on the right and the arts on the left. Yeah. It's like, I think that would help people vary it up a little bit, but Hey, what do I know? Wizards didn't hire me 15 years ago when I interviewed, so I'm not giving them any more free advice. Um, okay, so here's how a, here's how a case works. It, it's kind of like three things bundled together. It's an enchantment. It has a subtype of case. It has They have ETBs, all the ones that I remember seeing. They have something that happens when they come into play. Then they have a condition that you have to meet when to solve it, and that solving condition does not happen immediately when the condition happens. It happens at the beginning of your end step. So it only triggers at your own end steps. And then solved is some kind of condition that gets added to the enchantment. Some of them are like static things that are added to them, like a static ability or triggered ability or something like that. Other ones are kind of activated abilities. Like there's one that you have to pay to sacrifice it to do the thing once it's solved. So there's a bunch of like extra rules text that just gets added in here. Not confusing at all. Yeah. I feel like in, this is one of those ones that in um, theory, whatever one that makes it into constructed play might be okay. But yeah, playing limited with a bunch of these seems like it could be a little bit of a drag. <laughs> if you're constantly like, I've solved the case of the Crimson, you know, it's, all, it's a lot moving through phases. All right. So we, I wanted to talk about case of the Crimson Pulse as an example of one. It's too generic and a red. It is an enchantment dash case. And it says, when this case enters the battlefield, discard a card, then draw two cards. Okay. Which, you know, we like that effect, discarding one card and drawing two cards. Then to solve it, you have no cards in hand. So if you have no cards in hand at the beginning of your end step, it triggers the next step, which is at the beginning of your upkeep, discard your hand and draw two cards. And that's a permanent hmm. effect. So this is a full like grafted skull cap thing where it's like this thing sits oh, in that's play. That's a throwback. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I know there's a dragon that has the same effect as that, where it's like discard your hand and draw two cards every turn. But um, I do always think these cards are cool. Yeah, I mean, so the weird thing about this is I I love the third chapter. The third chapter is awesome. But the problem with getting to the third chapter is you have to get through the first chapter and spending three mana to, you know, take basically take your turn off discarding one card and drawing two. It's like. 
a lot of red decks necessarily can't afford to take that whole, like take that amount of time off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as like a curve topper and an extremely hyper linear aggressive red deck in standard, maybe I could see it being good. I don't think it it's priced to move in pioneer. Definitely not modern, but standard. Maybe I could see this one being okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the fable ETB sort of like, clouded my vision for a second <laughs> yeah, where I was true. like, well, that's a second chapter of fable ish. And you don't even have to discard. F- oh, you just, dis- yeah, you get to discard one card and then draw two. So it's not even discard two, draw two. That's gotta be better. Right. But I, I hear what you're saying though, that that's, that's taking a lot of time off just to do a faithless looting. We've really been spoiled by fable, huh? Yeah. Cause we're just comparing every single three mana red card to it. And the, the joke is that none of them are going to be even close to close to as good ever. No, we're going to be with that card's going to be with us for years and years, unfortunately. That's kind of how I feel about Shieldred. Every time I look at speaking of we have a there's a four mana black card that I want to talk about. But every time I see a four mana black creature, I'm just like, yeah, Shieldred is legal. So this card's never going to see play. Yeah. Do you know what the context of Shieldred was when we talked about it on the episode a long time ago? When we talked about the spoiler episode, one of the notes that came up when we were talking about was, is this card really better than Kalidus, the best four drop that's (laughs) available right now? And people actually, yeah, people were like, yeah, I don't know if I want to put Shieldred over Kalidus in my red black deck and Pioneer. Yeah. I was like, imagine those people now. I think you might want to try it at least. Everybody draws cards. All right. Anyway, last card here, split cards. Got to be kind of excited about split cards. I do. I'm a Rhinos player, so I love split cards. This is what I'm saying. All, all yeah. you Cascade freaks out there are going to be like, oh my god, there's going to be something that's going to be playable. I got to tell you, I'm not convinced there's going to be something that's playable. There hasn't always not been. Yet. Yeah, yeah, not no, yet. Yeah, the, the, the ones that they printed so far, I think, are mostly either sideboard cards or limited stuff. Yeah, and that ha- has been how these cards have ended up the last few times through. I feel like, you know, if you look at where Terror is one of the ones that gets the most play or has gotten the most play at just for value, like that's just a good utility card um that was the only one really from dragon maze that sees play and so it's been a while since there's been a really good split card i think but it could happen yeah i'm trying to think of i guess repudiate replicate is probably the most recent example where people have played that in pioneer cascade decks or i say cascade and sometimes people have have tried it in modern too but yeah Yeah. that was the i think it was ravnica allegiance right that was the last time we went to ravnica so it's like five years ago i mean it's right after we started this the podcast so it was about five years ago and you know that's like a fun of like it's something that somebody has a couple of maybe in their deck all right so that's it on mechanics how do you feel about about that anything you want to note about these me as my boomer self doesn't like to read as many of the lines of text that the cases have but you know past that i do think they're very very flavorful the set is oozing with tons and tons of flavor and uh, I, li- I like i like a lot of the mechanics I do want to mention what you just said about cases, because this is a thing that I do all the time, and it's why I miss a bunch of powerful cards, especially in this era of magic, is I, especially when working on like a spoiler episode for this show, I'm like, I can't read 150 words right now. I'm sorry for you, or I'm happy that happened, but I ain't reading all that. And this one, all the way back, the first card that I think of all the time is when we had had Everett on to talk about Zendikar Rising, and we were talking about all these cards, and then at the end, we were like, well, Everett, what card do you like? And he's like, well, there's this card called Omnath that I think we should talk about, and we were like, (laughs) the EDH thing? And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, see, so I, I do. I want to remind myself and people who might be listening that we should definitely take a look at things like the cases because I think the same thing happened with Fable. Honestly, mm-hmm. when Fable was printed, people were like, "There's so many lines on here, and Kiki Jiki is kind of dumb, so I'm not going to worry about this like spiritual successor to it." So you know, 
Got to read. Got to read the cards. Got to read them. I think people. A lot of people who saw Fable the Mirror Breaker probably didn't even realize it had a backside because the front side had so much text on it. They're like, "There's no way they would put a backside of this card." Right. right? It's true. It's true. Okay. So for the rest of the show, we're just going to talk about cards that we like. Card. We're going to bounce back and forth here a little bit. I want to start with something with two super boring things. Sorry if I take two picks. Boring. Boring. Fine, I guess. Or down the middle. <laughs> can we talk about Lightning Helix? We can talk about Helix. Okay. So Lightning mm-hmm. Helix is in Pioneer now as a result of this set. Bottom what line. Lightning, what does Lightning Helix do? Lightning Helix. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case people don't remember, Lightning Helix is a red and a white for an instant, deals three damage to any target, and you gain three life. It is a playable modern card. The The format has kind of passed it by in some sense, but it's definitely still in burn. Um, what is light? Does Lightning Helix do anything to or go anywhere in Pioneer immediately that you think of that we're just like, like, has anything been waiting for a better, um, what am I saying? What are, burn spell? Well, I was thinking, what's the, what's the, what's the one on a red for three that's available already instant? That's Lightning just, Strike? Yeah. Well, like it does... Do okay. we need a better lightning strike in Pioneer anywhere? Well, do you remember, Dave, when Luris was still legal in Pioneer, people used to play the Boros Burn deck, mm-hmm. where it was like, you know, Monastery Swift Spear, Eidolon of the Great Revel, Skewer the Critics, Boros Charm, all these, you know, burn spells. And while we don't have Luris of the Dream Den anymore, thankfully, I still think there could, there is the potential, like all the burn spells are all still legal. Eidolon's still legal. You can play all those cards. Um, I don't, I have to go back and look at the recent sets to see if there was any recent upgrades. I guess Play With Fire is a pretty decent upgrade mm-hmm. as far as burn spells are concerned, but I, I could definitely see there being a, uh, a Boros Burn deck. The only problem with playing burn spells is the best deck in the format ha- is a life gain deck. Right. So probably not the best time to be playing burn yeah 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 and i i don't think when i was looking at this i was thinking even about like does boros convoke want a card like this just for utility and it's like no it it doesn't really fit in there and you know i don't think that there's necessarily a jeskai control kind of thing which is another deck that used to use lightning helix occasionally i I don't think there's that kind of vibe or something or a control like that starts to lean that way because they just don't need it you know the tools are so good in different ways that like lightning helix isn't the tool that's going to help a deck like that shore up any kind of matchup in pioneer right now either okay pia I've been playing yeah. a little bit of PN Standard, and there was the PN deck in Pioneer, mm-hmm. so maybe something to do with PIA, because those cards are both Boros. Yeah, that makes sense to me, too. Okay, so Helix, not a huge deal coming to Pioneer, but interesting to note that it's there. I, I would agree with that statement. Okay. Keep it, keep it, keep it on the back burner, you know? Yeah. If, 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 if something ever happens to Amalia, then you can fire up those burn spells again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, how about this other card that people were a little bit freaking out about, about Pioneer? That is No More Lies, a blue and a white, or a white and a blue, depending on how you want to read the pips. It's an instant counter-target spell, unless its controller pays three. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. And Devin is turning his back to the camera right now because he does not want to talk about Mana Leak in Pioneer. Do you not want to talk about Mana Leak in Pioneer? I don't want to talk about blue-white control in any format ever. <laughs> you know, that's just not that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. I, I also... You've never controlled... You never... You never Oh, God, no. The only the, the last time that Dave, the last time I played control was when Jace the Mind Sculptor was legal. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I mean, that's because it was the best deck in the format Cobblade. But sure. um, yeah, I don't know. Just like I've never been a big fan of it. Never been a big fan of the play style. This card is completely cracked. It's really good. The fact that the blue white control deck in Pioneer is getting a, a two mana, very solid counter spell better than make disappear better than uh, the red green one. They play change the equation sometimes. Yep. 
Um, yeah, this card's crazy, and it's going to make more people play Blue, White, and Pioneer, and that means I'm less likely to play Pioneer. Boom. Wow. Listen <laughs> to that. And we didn't even get to the second sentence yet. Um, Devin, do you, do you know what my first deck was when I started playing my first real deck when I started playing Magic? Well, my second real deck. I think I had two. I'm trying to think. Did it have Absorb? No, it was the deck. Brian Weissman, the deck, was my first mm. deck, really, that okay. I actually tried to make. That uh, makes sense. You know, Stone, uh, Swords of Plowshares, Lightning Bolts, Counterspell, Sarah Angel. Jam Day Tome. Yep, all that stuff. The other one was Urnum Geddon, which maybe has a little more flavor. Um, I, love, I love those decks. Yeah, that was fun times. Um, all right, Exile's fine, right? The Exile part of it is, like, kind of whatever. I mean, I guess um, it's not kind of whatever. Like, there are going to be moments where that's very important. But yeah, so it comes up against Kroxa. That's massive. Comes up maybe against Amalia where they have Return of the Ranks. Mm-hmm. Could come up against Memory Deluge. It could come up against. That's really all I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I think the point but, here, though, is they're not really charging you anything for it on this card. No. No, just, you're just getting you're just giving you mana leak on the house. Right. And it's it's so funny because a lot of people have been asking for mana leak and pioneer and I mean, hey, we got Mana Lincoln Pioneer. You got what you asked for. Yep. Did, you, did you sure you want that? But <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> can you tell that I really don't like Blue Eye Control? I can tell. I mean, I, I I hate playing against it as well. Like, absolutely. One of the first <laughs> buttons I made for the podcast was a button that just said never playing control again. And uh, I've stuck <laughs> to that, I think. All right, Devin, where would you right. like to go next? What are you Let's interested in? Let's go to my list. Let's start with... Well, okay, let's start with the one. This is kind of one of the, I think this is the first card that I saw. We're going to go to a War Leader's Call. So War Leader's Call is a colorless, a red and a white. It's an enchantment. It says all creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And it also says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, War Leader's Call deals one damage to each opponent. So pretty simple card, you know, three mana, Glorious Anthem, which to be fair, Glorious Anthems have mm, kind of fallen out of favor. It's been a minute since an Anthem has really been good. (laughs) Or a Crusade, as we called them in my days of playing the deck, but... It's actually funny because I think actual Glorious Anthem got reprinted at some point, and I'm going to go to Scryfall to fact that fact check this check because Glorious Anthem, I knew how to spell Glorious Anthem. It was printed in Corset 2021. That was the last time. So it's relatively recently legal, and I don't recall it seeing a lot of play back then. But wait, there's more. So you get the uh, whatever creature enters the battlefield deals one damage to each opponent. So it works extremely well with tokens, right? So you have stuff like Gleeful Demolition, where it's one mana, destroy an artifact, make three one one goblins. That's really cool with this, because if you have this in play, you get three two twos and you deal them three damage. Right. And a typical problem with anthems against decks that have sweepers is your anthem is no longer good after they sweep your board. Right. But you're still getting the chip damage. And that massive swing of like, you know, they wrath your board, you follow up with two guys, they're both, you know, two twos or three threes, you dealt them two damage. If your deck is aggressive enough, that chip damage just adds up so, so quickly. So I think this could be like a, a pretty decent one of in various Convoke decks. If your deck has Gleeful Demolition, I think the first copy of this is is pretty good. Maybe not the second copy, but um, I don't know. It just, it read somewhat, it, it read like a strict better, a strictly better version of Glorious Anthem. And um you know, again, anthems aren't very good now, but maybe we just need some more text on it. I mean, I like this idea. I, it's interesting. It was the first thing I thought of when I saw this card, too, of course, was Gleeful Demolition. I also think 
as far as anthems go, like maybe you can't play too many of them in the deck, but it does in a weird way stack better than other anthems do mm-hmm. because of the damage trigger, right? So right. it's like, okay, well, if I get two down by accident and then I play Gleeful Demolition to six damage after Wrath, mm-hmm. and like that's not amazing, but that is a way to like help yourself get out of the same corner that you were talking about. So I don't think you're playing a four pack of these by any no. chance, but I, I think having a couple of thing, things like this hanging around that gives like punch damage and deck like that can be good and interesting. And who knows, maybe it's really more like a sideboard card if for certain scenarios where you're like, well, I need my creatures to get bigger or I need the chip damage or whatever, like having it fulfill a couple roles like that's pretty interesting. What I like about this design is it's good against like when you need to race and try to go under people before they wrath you, it's pretty good at like getting in the the last couple of points of damage. Mm -hmm. But if you're like playing the opposite where it's board stalls, it's actually not that bad in a board stall. Normally anthems aren't very good because they like the sizing doesn't matter that much. But if you're in a board stall, you just kind of ping them slowly to death. Yeah. Yeah. The ping is a really interesting design on on an anthem for sure. All right. I'm going to ask you to pick another card from here oh, because i went two in a row um put me on the spot here let's go to okay let's go to a weird one profits i don't even know how to say this word profits eidetic eidetic memory ah uh, yes yeah that it's, one it's i it's eidetic i think is how eidetic. that word is said yeah okay cool profits eidetic memory so it's uh blue at a colorless for a legendary enchantment when it enters the battlefield you draw a card so replaces itself we're already cool uh, you have no maximum hand size. Not sure how relevant that line of text is. And then there is a third line of text that says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you've drawn more than one card this turn, put X plus one plus one counters on target creature you control, where X is the number of cards you've drawn this turn, minus one. So, for example, the turn you play this, you ETB, draw a card, replaces itself, and then that same turn that you play it, because you cantrip off of itself, you immediately get at least one counter. If you've drawn other cards that turn, maybe you get more. So what's really cool, um, it's pretty low low cost, right? Two mana's not too bad. It replaces itself, so you're not losing anything off of it. Yeah. And not only does it replace itself, you get a counter that turn. Now, what is this good with? So there's this kind of package of cards that's like Emery, Rona, and Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Right. And this card kind of works pretty well with all three of them because Rona draws extra cards, which is perfect with this. You get counters. Agatha Soul Cauldron wants creatures to have counters. Right. And this card puts cart counters on creatures for Agatha Soul Cauldron. And then Emery is just a good activated ability to have under the cauldron. Um, and it kind of mills mills you more, finds more fuel for the cauldron. So I don't exactly know what the deck looks like, but just that combination of cards, specifically with um, Rona, it seems like it's very, very good with because you always get the counter and then combining that with Cauldron. Um, you know, there could be some kind of combo deck. Again, we don't have Ballista and Pioneer, so that's unfortunate, but you know, I'm sure there's some other way that you can find uh, ways to abuse Cauldron. But yeah, some, something along those lines. Hmm. I had not quite put all those pieces together. I definitely was thinking about throwing this on the list just because it has the uh, dress down effect, which is essentially it, you get paid back at two mana for playing it. Yeah. Um, tough to put together a blue deck with a lot of creatures on it to target, right. right? But I like the shell that you're talking about where it's really clear like what those cards are. And the fact that you're not really playing this for value, this is an engine, right? Like yeah. I don't think there's a scenario where this is a value card. Like you're not going to play, you know, 
a bunch of spirits or like the old mono blue like crappy flyers card and just try to make your creatures big this is one of those cards that you have to read a second time and be like okay what are the ways that i can break the rules on this card or or use it in a way that people don't think we're going to use it yeah you definitely want to treat it as a combo piece yeah like you're not just trying to play like johnny simic hardened scales with hadana's climb we're not trying to do that anymore right um you definitely want to be comboing with this even though i do i do like hadana's i was gonna say hadana's climb is a sweet card actually shane shane had that in a a team sealed GP that we played at one time and just wrecked people with his Merfolk deck. That card deck. was, it was broken and limited. It was super Absolutely broken. busted. Yeah, he had an incredible Merfolk deck. He had uh, the, the like, upheaval, the, like, Merfolk upheaval oh, and Adonis time. It was Jesus. unreal. Unreal. We all, we, <clears throat> we uh, lost our winning in for day two on that one. Oh, really? Yeah. It's sad. Uh, I like this card. I have no, this is very much not my kind of card, but I'm glad you mentioned it here as a good engine in the set. I would love to throw out another group of cards that people are looking at as an engine and just see what you think about them. You ready to talk about goblins? Sure. For a second. Yeah. All right. Goblins. Two cards to talk about here. Cranko, Baron of Tin Street, which is two generic and a red for a legendary creature goblin with haste, tap, sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one, plus one counter on each goblin you control. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay red. If you do create a one, one red goblin creature token, it gains haste until end of turn. Cranko is a three, three crime novelist. I didn't even write down the casting cost on crime novelist. Two and a red. Two and a red. Oh, it's, is it three I, as well? I think. Okay. Yeah, I think it's three. Uh, goblin Bard. Who doesn't love a Goblin Bard? Whenever you sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one, plus one counter on Crime Novelist and add red. It is a one, three. Okay, so hmm. the Goblin Folks... You're talking about a combo here, Dave. We're talking about several cards in a combo, right? <laughs> so I think that Crime Novelist was the one that stood out to people first because with a sacrifice outlet that sacrifices either creatures or artifacts, uh, Crime Novelist goes infinite with animation module, which is right. a uh, interesting piece. It is a Urza's saga a bull combo target. And so people have been looking at that as part of it. There's one person in our, our Discord in particular, Green, who goes by the name of Granger, who uh, has been working on shout a couple out of lists. Yeah, shout out Granger, because this is definitely not my area of expertise, but I thought it was interesting to mention to people. And um, has decided to try it out in a couple of listers, looking at lists, has been sharing them, where it's like Crime Novelist plus Animation Module and Cranko plus Sword of the Meek as a way to sort of do a Thopter, like Urza's Thopter-esque combo, basically. That's a lot of cards. It's a lot of cards. You don't have to have them all together. It's sort of a deck with a bunch of... Yeah, but you know, it's like a deck with a bunch of two-card combos in it where it's more like an Asmo... Like, the way Granger said that uh, they were thinking about it was kind of more like an Asmo food-style combo with all these goblin pieces as opposed to some kind of end-the-game-immediately like Splinter Twin combo. So... Uh, I just thought it was interesting that those two cards have these kind of obvious synergies and that many of the pieces that they want to go with are searchable with Saga. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen, I think it was the first person that I saw tweet about it was Spike, obviously, because Spike is really into this kind of stuff. And I mean, I think his initial reaction was kind of the the same thing that I was thinking, where it's three-card combo is kind of tough because you need the, I'm pretty sure you need all through the Krenko, the Novelist, and the Module to kind of go actually infinite. But I mean, if you can, I think the the key to unlocking this puzzle is trying to find stuff to do with the Krenko and the novelist that aren't necessarily related to the other combo pieces. 
So for example, uh, like utilizing some other way to sacrifice artifacts to pair with novelists, maybe not like Arcbound Ravager, that probably sucks. But like you said, Asmo, Asmo sacrifices artifacts. So you get you get uh, counters on the novelist. You add red mana that can maybe keep fueling you to like Inti and stuff and, and go that way. And then as far as Krenko is concerned, you know, I mean, Krenko, it's kind of hard to combo with it where I mean, I guess it also works with Asmo because you get the artifact put into the graveyard. You can pay a red, you make a goblin. So these these cards do both work well, pretty well with Asmo. And then you have the saga stuff to go find the Asmo. So I, I could see it. there might be something there. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tough for me, too. But there certainly was a lot of excitement around crime novelist and a couple of other these kind of weird combo pieces that you know you certainly don't see that coming but you know there's always that kind of value goblins core in modern that's just mm. kind of sitting there right it's like you can also play with just the goblin cards and try to kill people with the with the goblin tribal vibe but then you can also kind of graft this other other stuff on top of it um you know and maybe it's not a snoop combo out maybe there's some other way to go here but uh, i thought they were interesting cards some saga goblins yeah saga goblins Sagoblins. Sagoblindies. Uh, we, we won't <laughs> oh, go there. All right. <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> it um, is. All right. One last goblin I wanted to talk about. So I'm taking three cards with my turn. Fugitive Codebreaker. Oh, I didn't even this thing was a goblin. Generic and a red. It is a goblin rogue. Not as cool as a goblin bard, but I'll take it. It has prowess and haste, and it's a 2-1. And it has disguise for five colorless and a red. This cost is reduced by one for each instant and sorcery in your graveyard. And then it says when Goblin or when Fugitive Codebreaker is turned face up, discard your hand and draw three cards. It's Bedlam Reveler. It's a Goblin Morph Bedlam Reveler. That's also a two drop. Yeah, I was just going to say it is it is like you get a lot of the stuff that you would normally get from Bedlam Reveler, but you can also just like it's pretty aggressively costed yeah. like two power haste creature for two power prowess haste creature for two mana. We don't really get that type of like, we've never seen, I don't think we've ever seen that as someone who played prowess for a long time, loved the deck when it was good, liked the deck too much when it was bad. We are always trying to find what the two drop could be in prowess. And it's enough to make me fire it up and give it a try. Honestly, you know, I've tried so many things. I've tried the Kenra spellcaster or whatever from March of the machines and tried, you know, the heart one that like kills something and uh, tried Abbot of Carol keep, which is a card I just freaking hates. But do you think that, do you think this one is better than uh sprite dragon? I close see. I sprite dragon is very good, but it's always mm -hmm. a card that I feel like is very fragile. So, yeah. But this one has the same problems, although True. you can lean into the fact that it's a card drawing engine, which Sprite Dragon is not. So, you know, it's tough. I, I really have my doubt. Like, I want this to be good, but I really think it's probably not good enough just because the draw engine takes so much to do. Like, at a minimum, it costs four to play mm. this and flip it, draw three cards, and then attack. And that's yeah. a little tough to get to. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like in, you know, when you're when you're curving out in the first couple of turns where you're like kind of maybe you play a prowess creature on one, you could do like, you know, a bolt and a cantrip on two. Maybe you do an expressive and, and another lava dart on turn three. And like you said, maybe ideally you flip it on turn four. But that's if the rest of your draw has already worked out and you've, you know, put five spells in the graveyard. It's It gets better with Channeler for sure, because you need less stuff to, you know, you can mill stuff with Channeler and you don't right. need as many spells to do it. But 
Um, yeah, I guess time will tell on this one. I like that it's it's a much better top deck than Sprite Dragon. I agree like if with you're that. playing later in the game and you top deck this thing on four lands, you're just like, okay, I'll just draw three cards. Like that's kind of gross. Right. Um, so that's the upside of Codebreaker. Maybe slightly worse on turn two, but yeah, it's I, I think it's close. Yeah. It's definitely, like I said, it's enough for me to give it a try. And also I think there's a chance that maybe, you know, maybe we just lean into like mono red prowess as a result of this and not worry about splashing into blue for a minute. Um, cause you know, some of the cards that you're, you know, you're splashing into blue for like opts and all of those kind of things. And, um, yeah, preordains, preordains, kind of whatever, whatever the cantrip of the moment is, but maybe there's a way for us to just go lean back into the shell. That's a little bit closer to like the mono red Phoenix deck and see what that's like. Um, could do like mono red splash questing druid or something. Yes. Yeah. I do like the, that teamer prowess. I did enjoy that a little bit earlier this, this year too. So maybe just go straight gruel and forget it. Yeah. So I don't know. Cool card. All right. Speaking of cool cards, Dave, let's go and move on over to Treacherous Greed. Okay. So this is uh, a colorless, a white and a black. It is an instant. Uh, I believe it's a rare. And as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature that dealt damage this turn. And then the, uh, the text is draw three cards. Each opponent loses three life and you gain three life. Now, I don't know about you, Dave, but three mana, instant speed, draw three, they lose three, you gain three. That's that's kind of insane, right? If you can if you can get this off, if you can find a way to turn it on, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, I I do. Like when I first read this card, I was like, okay, three cards at instant speed is a lot. But what scenario are we are we going to pull off the. I'm trying to figure out like what is a way to reliably make sure we deal damage to someone uh, so that we can make sure this happens because there is no fallback on this card, right? right. It's not like... Oh, it's uncastable, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's completely uncastable. It's not like you can even be like, well, I guess I had to... Ki-. Like imagine a, a diff- slightly different design of this where it's uh, more like kicker, right? And it's like if you mm-hmm. sacrifice a creature that dealt damage in turn, then you draw the three cards and all it really does is opponent loses three life and you gain three life. Like yeah. at least then there's like a tiny fallback. <laughs> but here it's like we're, we're all in. Yeah. No, I was thinking so the a couple of cards that came to mind where you're not necessarily getting into combat. I was thinking pingers. Yeah. So there's Voldarian Epicure, which is just, you know, one mana, one, one ETB, it deals one damage to your opponent. That is considered dealing damage. So that does work. And then the other thing I, I was thinking, I forget the name of it. It's um it's a card from Phyrexia All Will Be One. It has to do with oil counters, um, Sawblades Camp, mm-hmm. which is red for a 1-1. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get an oil counter on it, and you can tap remove an oil counter to uh, deal one damage to your opponent. So kind of what I was thinking is you're... I think a lot of people were like, okay, well, you attack with a creature, they chump block it, and then your creature dealt damage, you can just greet it. But I think you even have to go a little bit deeper than that. Now, granted... Again, it's three colors, like both those cards that I suggested are red. It is hard to set off, but it's one of those cards where the payoff is worth what you're setting up because three, like I said, three mana drain three, draw three is just so completely above the rate of what we've seen before. And one last thing I will note about this that I didn't really grasp this at first. This is 
they haven't really printed cards that are uncastable. I'm thinking in the vein of Decimate. Do you remember the, yeah. the old Decimate yeah, back you in ha- the day? You have to target each one of the. It's not up to one of each of these targets. It's You have to yeah. have one of each of those targets to cast it. Yeah. yeah. So I can't wait to, you know, it's unfortunate for newer players because newer player newer players may not may not understand this as well. I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, sacrifice creature that dealt damage this turn, but it, it's just weird for them to print a, a card that you just can't cast half the time. Yeah. Or more. You know, one thing I think about this card with, and I don't know what deck it fits in with it, but if you have a reliable way to discard a card for value, that could help with a deck like this. Like, let's say you're playing this in a Mardu deck with Fable. Not that I'm saying you should do that, but just imagine that kind of scenario. You know, sure. it, that helps cards like this that are uncastable turn them into other resources. That's another thing I think you would want to look for if you're playing a, a deck uh, with this card and you're trying this card out is like, what do I do in the worst case scenario? Like, it doesn't just have to be cards that damage your opponent that make this card okay. They can also be things that help you get rid of it and turn it into something else that can make this okay too. So something else to consider. Um, One last note, walking ballista. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems sweet. You have to, you, you, you can't get the last token <laughs> off of it though. Right. No, so you, yeah, have, you have to, to do pay it. the ballista for two and then, yeah. Yeah. You have to ballista for like the, whatever token is lo- down to one token left. And then there you go. Can we talk about another about. weird draw card while we're here? Or like a maybe bad draw card, probably bad draw card, I guess. Let's talk about the, the fiction or fiction. Do you? Yes. I would love to talk about it real quick. Cause this is okay. one of the weirdest fiction or fi- factor fiction variants we've ever seen. And I'm just curious what you think about it. Cause similar in the discord, treacherous greed everybody was like uh this card seems bad and everybody was also like intrude the mind intrude on the mind also seems bad but i read it a little closer and i'm just curious if you think there's a little space somewhere for this so it's uh three generic for uh, uu for an instant that says reveal the top five cards of your library and separate them into two piles an opponent chooses one of those piles so you separate them your opponent chooses put that pile into your hand the other goes in your graveyard but here's the thing that's different is that then you create a zero zero colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying, then put a count, plus one plus one counter on it for each card put into your graveyard this way. This is a weird one. This is super weird. <laughs> so this is just like a can be a pretty big flying threat. Yeah. So th- so this is a very very weird card. It's not. I think this is less like Factor Fiction than any of these previous versions of like trying to think of Steam Augury um, and yeah, like Steam that kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, this is basically here. Here's what happens when you cast this card. You cast it. You split five zero. You basically ask your opponent, "Do you want me to let me? Do you want to let me draw five cards, or do you want to give me a five five flyer?" Exactly. Most of the time, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, they're going to say. Okay, you can have a 5-5 five, five flyer. So if your deck is interested in a 5-mana instant speed 5-5 five, five flyer, which, I mean, that's not a bad rate, right? Like, that's pretty good. Then I don't think it's as bad. But the reality is, like, I don't... There's not going to be a lot of situations where you want to do, like, a 3-2 split because you have to realize they're going to give you the worst cards regardless. Now, if this was the reverse, where it says your opponent separates them into two piles and you choose a pile... I'm in like that would be a lot better, but they're because you are always going to get the worst pile. I think most of the time it is going to be better to just split five zero with this one. Interesting. I just feel like I I feel like there's enough cases where you can do the like one great card in the two pile, one great card in the three pile. And then if they give you the two, you get a three, three flyer, which is still pretty good. 
at instant speed can help you close out some games. Well, I mean, see, the thing is, at that point, it's like five mana, three, three flyer, draw two cards. Right. At instant speed. Like if it was just three blue, blue, three, three flyer, flash, ETB, draw two. Like it's, it's, just, it's just a flash mold drifter. Yeah. Is that good? Like, I, I don't I don't think it's that. I think good. you're right. You know when, what I mean? Well, as soon as I said it's just mold drifter, I was like, yeah, that's not that good. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a slightly bigger mole drifter yeah. or a mole drifter that draws three instead of two, which to be fair, you know, two, two, draw three is that's pretty good. Like if you can always get two, two, draw three, I would take that. And I'd rather have two, two, draw three than three, three, draw two. Yeah. But I think most of the time you should be treating this as five mana, five, five flash flyer. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting now. I do feel like this, cool is, card. this is one of the most interesting factor fiction variants that they've made in a while. Definitely more interesting than steam steaming augury pile of, you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what are you interested in next? You going to move me to pick one. Let's go to let's scroll down a little bit. Oh, let's talk about the shieldred. Um, the, mm-hmm. the four mana black card. Okay. So this is uh massacre girl. Uh, not as good as shieldred, AKA massacre girl, known killer. It's going to be two black black for a four four menace. That's pretty good stats. It's a legendary creature, human assassin, says creatures you control have wither uh, for the folks at home that don't remember wither the creatures deal damage in the form of minus one minus one counters and then the next line of text is whenever a creature and opponent controls dies if its toughness was less than one draw a card mm-hmm. now what that means is let's say i have a three three and i'm attacking into your three three my three three has wither so when damage is dealt it, let's say we trade three threes when damage is dealt my creature deals three damage to your creature, but it puts minus one, minus one counters instead of dealing damage, which means that when damage is assigned, your creature is a zero, zero, which would trigger this and let me draw a card. Right now, there are some other ways that you can potentially take advantage of this. The one that definitely comes to mind for me, which is one of the more played removal spells in standard is virtue of persistence, which is black. It's uh, it's the. The black virtue, which is the seven mana, you know, debtors now. But the more important half of it is black and a colorless sorcery gives something minus three, minus three, and you gain two life. So if you give their, say, three, three, minus three, minus three, this would also trigger the Masker Girl. Now, again, we're living in a standard format that has shielded legal. You can just play for shielded if you want to. So I don't exactly know if this is going to slot into decks, maybe it's like an aggressive thing where if you're playing with more creatures, maybe you want Masker Girl in some fashion because the giving all of your small stuff menace is kind of cool where you can start chump blocking their stuff and, and help race a little bit better. Um, yeah, not as good as Shieldred, but I, it's it's got potential, I think. I mean, it's definitely a, a card that power having a card that powers up your whole team is interesting. Giving you the extra extra draw, I think, is really cool. The card that I was just trying to look up right now because I don't remember the name of it is Gra- is a Grasp of Darkness, which is yeah. a card that was saw some play in Pioneer at different points in time as well. Yeah, That's the that one's black, legal. black minus four minus four to target creature. God, you know. If only we had that in standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would make this way 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 better for sure. Um, there's like Deadweight. I don't know if you can put Deadweight in your standard deck, though, because there's not a lot of X2s. 
Yeah, a lot of X threes and X fours, so keep that in mind. But I don't know; it could be could be a potential like one or two of. I mean, there are some black decks that don't want it, that don't play Shieldred. I don't, I don't necessarily know if they don't want to play Shieldred. I think they just choose not to. Right. Um, but this could be fine in a more aggressively slanted black deck. Do you think if it breathes a little bit in Pioneer that it's probably like a one of in Rakdos for some reason, or do you think it's like not even gonna com- be able to compete with? Shielded um, at all. In Rakdos, it does it does combo with um what's the two drop, the three two? Harvester. Oh yeah. Because Harvester gives, you know, minus the X, blood. minus X. Yeah. Yep. So I could see maybe Rakdos wanting a copy of this. It, it could because it works so well with Harvester. To my knowledge, I don't think they have anything else that shrinks power and toughness, but you know, maybe if they play one copy of Massacre Girl, maybe that gets them to play the like you said, the first grasp of darkness over the second go for the throat or something like that. Yeah. And maybe there's something there. Yeah. Cool card though. I love it. Known killer. Yeah. Known known uh notably worse than children. Right. <laughs> known just enough to be ranked second. Uh why don't we talk about a couple of weird cards really quick? A couple of cards that were spoiled today. First okay. one I wanted to ask you about is the Torpor or esque card on a creature. Doorkeeper Thrall, generic and a white, one two for flash, flying, artifacts, and creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. Love it. Good card. Absolutely right? adore this card. This is like so, this is gonna see play. This can see play in modern too, right? Like absolutely. So okay. I was trying to I was trying to come up with um they're trying to find this comparison. I don't know if you remember this card called Hushwing Griff. That's the card I was just looking for today. It's a three yep. mana card, right? I, I was looking at Rin Wingmare and I was like, no, that's no. not the card. Uh I have it up on my screen. It's two and a white for a two-one flash flying, and it says creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. Yeah. Now, what is very important about this specific design and this one, the Doorkeeper Thrill also has it, is flash. Right. Now, these types of effects having flash are so massive because if your opponent commits to this really big play and a lot of what we used to see this card in standard was with siege rhino Mm -hmm. where your opponent would get like the reason that griff was so good is because your opponent would cast siege rhino you would have three men up you'd just be like okay respond play my griff i have a two one flyer i untap i kill your siege rhino nothing happened and i could definitely see this happening in modern where it shuts off primeval titan Right, which is massive, and you only have to hold up two mana, which is huge. That's a big thing. So shuts off Primeval Titan, shuts off Colossus Hammer entering the battlefield. It doesn't because it's an artifact entering the battlefield would stop that as well. Um, Trying to think of past that, I guess there's the Evoke Elementals. Right, stops all five of those. I'm trying to think of some more artifact centric stuff that I can't think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more, but the 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 big selling point here is flash is so huge on this card because it you can use it as sort of like a counter spell. Yeah. And and a two mana, I mean we've we talk about this on the on the show sometimes, but the difference between one mana and two mana is massive and the difference between two mana and three mana is like even more massive in some ways like an entire canyon gap between two and three mana. kind of right especially in modern where it's it's like okay you you really do want as many one mana spells as you can but your deck can't be all one mana spells so having access to this at two is just a lot better and the fact that it combines artifact and creature together for one of the first times that i can remember in this way is really really seems really really good yeah, this card's going to see this. Th- I think this might be the best card in the set that I've seen so far. That's, in, in terms of like specifically modern, this yeah. is, I think, the, the one that's most likely to see a ton apply. Yeah, I think you're always just going to want a couple of these around in your collection. Like, I'm not sure how much this card is selling for, um, but I feel like this is like the main thing that I would want to grab. The, I mean, these kind of cards usually sell for like three or four dollars. So it's like, yeah, you should just get a couple of them, throw them in your collection box and just have them for, la- <laughs> for later. 
Unless you're a Rhinos player. We can't we can't play cards like this. Okay. See, that is the one situation where yeah. we'd actually rather have Hushwing Griff. That's true. Cascade. Cascade. Um But even though some people are, are Rhino players, they're not always only Rhino players, right? You know what is funny? I don't know if you remember this, but back at the PT, or maybe it was even more recent than the PT. There have been people who were playing four color Rhinos decks with Dranith Magistrate in the sideboard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just because like you can't be living in and the plan is just cut your footfalls for, for Dranith's in the sideboard. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. All right. Another card I want to talk about just because we're here. We're looking at the picture right now. Leyline of the Guild Pact. This has led to some conversation today. So this is a Selesnia Simic. Golgari and Gruul hybrid mana. It's those four different ones. And what that looks like is green, white, green, blue, black, green, and red, green. And it says, if Leyline of the Guild Pack is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. Each non-land permanent you control is all colors. Lands you control are every basic land type in addition to their other types. The number one thing that people talk about with this card is, you know, Leyline of Abundance vibes. Okay, I... So you just dropped... Did you see this image that I put there? Yeah, it's Jacantha <laughs> next to it. That works, right? It does, yeah. For the, fo- for, the, for the folks at home, you can companion Jacantha with your Leyland of the Guild Pact. I don't know yes. why you would want to, but just, you know, you can do it if you, if you want. want to. Um, is this just some, like, mono-green... Tron- not mono-green Tron, but mono-green uh, Nykthos... Like tech is a pair of people going to... Is this worth it? Is this something people are going to do? Or where... What is this card for? <laughs> So funny enough, I actually, you know, we were talking about a lot of people have been talking about, uh, you know, ever since the banning of Karn, the great creator and pioneer, people were like, why did, you know, why did they ban Karn, the great creator? Um, you know, it was really keeping the format somewhat healthy. And I, to, to an agree, to an extent, I kind of agree with that. It was, you know, promoting people to play aggressive decks, but I think we have now realized with this set, why they banned Karn, the great creator, mm-hmm. because having a free four green to four green pip card is completely ridiculous. Yeah. Like it, it's absurd. Now what, what's funny about this card is in the green division, decks that literally every single line of the text box does not matter. You're not playing it for any of those types of things. Right. The non-land permanents are colors, lands you control every basic land type, you're a monocolor deck, who cares? The only thing you're playing for it is free four pips. And what that allows you to do is either turn one forest elf, turn two Nykthos five mana, or turn one sunken citadel, turn two Nykthos four mana. So you don't even really need an elf to be able to just have a ton of mana on turn two with Sunken Citadel and Nykthos. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think this card is potentially completely broken in Pioneer. Now, it's obviously very high rolly because you need it in your opening hand. Right. Um, one thing I, I will mention is I've seen people talk, discuss this with domain stuff like Leyline Binding and Scion of Draco. I, I don't think you would want this type of card in your domain suit deck. I just don't, I don't think, think cards so. like this work out for value. Like this is this is like that uh, what's his name's eidetic memory that we talked about where like you read it and you're like, oh, if I do what it says on the card, I can do some stuff. But you're really supposed to do the thing that the card like implies you should do, not the stuff that it actually says you should do. Um and with that in mind, I guess one deck that I wonder about actually playing it for some of the text that's on here is um, Scapeshift. 
Like, is this ever okay. a replacement for prismatic, prismatic omen type effects, additional dryads kind of thing in that deck where you just get to try to like scape shift a little earlier, just concentrate on ramping and then going off with that with some extra lands in play. And then you're just set up. I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes the, I think the, I'm trying to think when's the last time I saw a prismatic omen in play. Vintage cube is why I th- was why I thought of it, but <laughs> yeah, because like the thing about Dryad is even though Dryad costs mana, it gives you the extra land drop, yeah. and this thing does not give you the extra land drop, so you definitely wouldn't want to replace Dryad. I mean, I think if your deck was playing Prismatic Omen, this is maybe a slight upgrade to Prismatic Omen because your ca- it, the fact that it's four mana doesn't matter too much because you're casting it on turn three anyways, and that's the turn before you escape shift. So you know, and the upside of it just being in your opening hand and costing zero mana is pretty high. So if you wanted Omen, this is probably better, but it's not better than Dryad. Yeah, I think I think that's true. All right, so looks like you're supposed to play it with a lot of colors turns out you're just supposed to play it with mono green yeah surprise surprise <laughs> As all good things are huh? yeah that's right you can also play it with gigantha but you probably don't want to play gigantha in your devotion deck right unfortunately all right dave dave where are we going next you got um, any more or do you want me to go i think you can go for it okay let us talk about okay here's another one that you're probably going to like delny streetwise lookout uh, this is a two and a white for a legendary creature, human scout. Pretty important that it's human. It is a two, two, and it has two lines of text. The first line is creatures you control with power two or less can't be blocked by creatures with power three or greater. That, you know, that one's probably less relevant than the second line of text, which is if an ability of a creature you control with power two or less triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. So, you think of humans in modern, which, uh, you know, jo- maybe jokingly, but maybe less jokingly, people have, you know, s- said that it's been unbanned with the banning of Fury. Right. And that could be true. They wish. But um, yeah. <laughs> but I think this thing could could potentially be a player because it doubles up Thalia's Lieutenant, which is pretty massive. It doubles up Reflector Mage. It can double up Champion of the Perished early but not late because once you get the third counter on champion, then this wouldn't trigger it. So let's say you have a one, one champion and you play Delny, you would have a three, three champion. But if you have, you know, a, a three, three champion, Delny won't trigger it. And another one that's pretty huge that I think people may have missed is unsettled Mariner because it says with uh, power two or less triggers. Now it doesn't say when it enters the battlefield, it's just when the ability triggers and Mariner is triggered off of your opponent um, casting removal spells. So, I mean, it is a three mana two two. I guess I get that part sucks, but I don't know. Doubling up all of your doubling up all of your jolly triggers sounds kind of cool. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there are people looking at some like wild things. Like I've seen people talk about like uh, things that don't work. For example, like someone <laughs> saying like shardless, this double shardless agent, and just so oh, we're yeah. all clear, no, no, it does not cause a second nope. tra- cascade trigger to happen. If um, only. I I think this card is super interesting. This is one of those ones where I'm just like, I don't know what is ever going to bring back a go-wide creature deck like that into modern other than Merfolk, apparently, which is like kind of okay at the moment in modern. Um, but if if anything does, I do think that a triggered ability heavy deck where you get a lot of extra value off of things coming into play, throwing tokens around and stuff can make you w- would definitely be part of it for sure. But one thing that we noticed that was interesting too is like it's funny that it doesn't trigger any of the evoke elementals. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Thankfully, probably for a good reason. Thankfully, 
So yeah. So that's good at least. Um, yeah, yeah. Imagine if it said power or toughness to or less. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I think this is a cool card. This is another one where I was kind of like, I don't know if it's enough to do it, but I, I'm happy for the people that they're going to give this. A, there's definitely some people going to give this a try. Yeah. All the people that were, you know, basically through a house party the day that Fury got banned. Now you got, you got another reason to be even happy. extra stuff. Yeah. All right. I have a card that I want to ask you about, okay. and that is to go back to... I have two I have two cards I think we should talk about. One I'm going to say because I think it's a card that you might like and that you would have picked it anyway, and that is Ansrag, the Quake Mole, the oh, Mole God. God. I was hoping you would go to the Mole God. It's Mole God time. It's Molin time. Uh, this card. Okay, so it's so it's too generic, a red and a green for an 8-4 that has one of the most inscrutable lines of rules text I've ever seen in my life, which is whenever Anzrag the Quake Mole becomes blocked, untap each creature you control. After this combat phase, there is an additional combat phase. That's really stupid. Yes. And then this, the line after it, which I don't know if this is ever going to come up, but three generic RRGG for Anzrag must be blocked each combat this turn if able. So... Okay, so this card swings into somebody, and you can't block it because you don't want to be attacked again. Mm -hmm. So you just take eight when you get attacked with this thing, and then and then what happens? And then they die because they took eight damage. No, um, so here's the, here's the thing. I think this unironically is going to be a huge player in Pioneer because if you look at the um, the a deck that is near and dear to my heart, the deck that I played in Atlanta, which is Gruel Vehicles. Um, that deck plays a lot to the board. It's got a lot of elves. It's got smugglers, copters and bone crushers. It's got a lot of heavy hitters. And more importantly, it has a card that works extremely well with Onsrog, which is Voldaren Thrillseeker. Now, imagine this scenario. You play an Onsrog and you untap with your Onsrog. You play your fourth land, maybe your, you know, your fifth land. But basically, you play a Voldaren Thrillseeker with a mana open and you put counters on your Onsrog. Right. So your Onsrog is now a 10-6 that has the ability to be flung at your opponent for 10 damage. So you get into this position where you attack them. If they don't block, they take 10 and you fling your Onsrog at them for 10. That's 20. But if they do block, then you just get to attack them again with the Onsrog Until. and just chew through all of their blockers. And then once they have no blockers, OK, wow, now they just took 10 and then post combat, you can still fling it at them for 10. Right. So it almost like creates this weird splinter twin esque style combo where it's just like those two cards end the game on the spot. Now, obviously, removal spells, you can fatal push this. I get that. But. I mean, even when you're not combining it with Voldaren Thrillseeker, just like I can imagine some curves where you're just like, imagine this one, for example, you play something on turn two, who cares? Maybe it's a smuggler's copter. Maybe it's not. You go Stormseeker on three and right. then Onsrog on four plus one haste your Onsrog and hit in with it. If they have to like, like what are they going to do? Take nine. If they chump block, you get to untap your smuggler's copter and attack again with that. It's just like, ah, this card seems unbelievable and gruel. Yeah. It was the same thing I thought too. I was like, there's no there's no way this card doesn't get a shout in that deck for a while to see what happens. And I hadn't even thought about the Thrill Seeker. I do think Voldaren Thrill Seeker is a card that is sort of just sitting there waiting for its moment and maybe this really is its moment because this card is so cheap. I cannot believe this card costs four mana. I know four mana for, for that A4. line of text. Just untap all of your stuff. Like I've, that, that's just ins it seems insane to, to even be on a card. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like what the hell? No, I do think that this card is going to make Gruel really something to think about in Pioneer again for a little bit. And yeah, like you said, there are there are decks that have removal and that kill it, but also you're not, it's not like you're 
really contorting yourself to play this card. It's just a big yeah, creature. It's just a good card. If you don't kill it, you're going to die. Right. But it turns out you're going to die really fast. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, sure, it dies to fatal push. But have you? what about when they don't have the fatal push? They literally die on the spot. Yeah. It's just like you kill it or you're dead. So that, I, th- I think this card's messed up. Yep, I agree. And to your to your point, yes, you're probably never going to activate that seven man ability. Yeah, <laughs> that's never coming up. No, they're going to die well before that. All right. Another card that I am interested in is Archdruid's Charm. Okay. Green, 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 instant. Choose one. Search your library for a creature card or a land card and reveal it. Put it onto the battlefield tapped. If it's a land card, otherwise put it into your hand, then shuffle. Put a plus one. The next mode is put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. It deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. And then the last mode is exile target artifact or enchantment. I probably forgot to say choose one at the beginning, but that's what it does. It is a beginning of a cycle, I guess, with Archmage's Charm, which I think is kind of cool in itself just because I can't wait to see the black, black, black ones and the red, red, red ones. But yeah, I was going to say we have Archmage's Charm, Arc Druid's Charm. So now what are the next ones? Arc Goblin, Arc Zombie, and Arc Human or Arc Soldier? It's going to be like Archangel. It's probably Archangel's Charm, honestly, is what yeah, the, that one one, makes the, sense. Red, the white yeah. one is. Uh, but yes, Arc Necromancer. <laughs> Love to say Necromancer. Um, all right. So the last two modes of this card, I just want to say right off the bat, I don't think are very good. They're not the reason you would ever play this card. They no. remind me of Dromoka's Command in a way where it was kind of like Dromoka's Command had like a sacrifice and enchantment mode on it, I think, which was just kind of nice and you needed it sometimes. And that's, you know, maybe sometimes you can fight something. Maybe sometimes you can get rid of an enchantment. However, the first one for me is super interesting. This search a land and put it onto the battlefield tapped if it's a land card for green 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 i mean people start talking about trying to fit this into a titan style shell which i don't know if it really adds anything to titan in modern i'm not a titan you know i have my doctorate in titan sciences no idea but it seems like it's an interesting place to be able to do something like that but the other place that i saw people talking about this that i was interested in for like a half second was tron Mm. where it's like do I just get play, your Tron piece put on the battlefield? And you play four Yavamaya so that you, all of your Tron pieces make green as well. Uh, Seems pretty bad, maybe. But honestly, I, don't know. I, I, I think I'd rather try to go towards the cycle generous and play Sylvan Scrying and then cast the pollen cast the other card one. to get the Tron piece. Yeah. yeah. I triple green is just kind of sketchy. Yeah. So I, like you said, I, I, I like yourself am not really an amulet titan connoisseur. I really have never played the deck before, maybe once in my entire lifetime. Yeah, same. So I don't necessarily know what the implications are for it with Amulet Titan. One thing I will say is a, is a really cool spot for this. I don't know if you've seen the Timeless Primeval Titan decks, but they're much more about, they have the eight, the full eight copies of, of effective copies of Grazer. Mm-hmm. So there's a cool line where you just go turn one grazer turn to this and the timeless version of the deck is more centered around setting up a plus B a plus B being castle Garenbring and sunken Citadel. Mm-hmm. So if you can have this to find the missing piece of that, that's really cool. Okay. And it finds your primeval Titan. Yep. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. You're not really doing that kind of stuff as much in modern for sure. No, but um, it's definitely seems like a powerful card to be able to just go get a land and put it into play. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's weird, like for Titan, because I guess what what would you say the best land? I mean, I guess you can get a bounce land if you're missing that. But it, it's almost like if you're missing an amulet, you'd rather go get a saga. But if you're getting a saga with this, that's probably too slow. Right. That's like a turn three saga. That's a turn five amulet. Like you can do better than that, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that's 
enough redundancy or really adding that much to the deck when you already have zero mana tutors and things like that anyway. So the other thing you have to consider about this in Amulet Titan is green, green, green is actually kind of hard, even with Grazer, right? Because a lot of you, what you want to do is you want to go forest Grazer, put a bounce land into play, but then you play your second land and you have green plus the bounce land, which doesn't cast the charm, right? So you have to have specifically like some combination of three of castle forest besage you, which I don't even think there's that many of nowadays in Titan. Yep. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Glad to see that it could have a home in the in a similar shell in a different yeah. format, though. That makes sense. Yeah, the Timeless Titan decks are are a little bit different than uh, than your run of the mill Primeval Titan decks in Modern. All right, what do you got? What do, do you each want to pick? Say one to two more cards and then call it. Yeah, let me go to the list. Let us talk. Okay, this is this is kind of a strange one. You might viewers or listeners might lose me with this one. So this is um, urgent necropsy. Necro necro necropsy necropsy. I don't know what the whatever. Close enough. Two a black and a green for an instant. And as an additional cost to cast this spell, collect evidence X, where X is the total mana value of the permanence this spell targets. So, for example, if you're targeting three things that all have mana value three, you have to collect evidence nine. I think it's nine or more. Right. And then the text is destroy up to one target artifact, creature, enchantment, and up to one target planeswalker. So there's up to four different targets. So, you know, for example... Say you're killing like a two mana planeswalker, a one mana creature, and a two mana enchantment. That's five mana. You have to exile five mana value from your graveyard or collect evidence five. Um, so, I mean, it's a weird one, right? It's what. So, I think when I first read this card, it sounds more powerful than when you actually think about it a little bit more. Because it, if you have to think about it in context, where what decks are you really ever going to get to kill more than, say, two things, right? There's not many decks in most formats that have all four of artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and planeswalkers. Yeah. So most of the time, you're probably only killing two things with this. Maybe if you're insanely lucky, you get three. three. So yeah, I, think, I don't, I I think don't know about this one. There are decks that will do three for sure. But yeah. four like, I was is thinking like hammer time. possible. I was thinking about hammer time when I said that, definitely. Yeah. Where I was like, yeah, I can get rid of a hammer, I can get rid of a cigar as eight, and I can get rid of a creature with it. You know, and there's overlap there because occasionally, you know, you you're killing um whatever the sent Esper Sentinel, Sentinel as an as an artifact or something like that as part of what you're doing. But I don't think you're ever gonna find a <laughs> a deck that has yeah, I, I think this card is cool. I, this I've warmed up a little bit more to collect collect the evidence as we've talked a little bit more about cycling cheap creatures, the the single mana cycle cards that yeah. were added from Lord of the Rings, specifically in Street Wraith and stuff like that. I think that makes a ton of sense for a way to turn this into a little this type of card into a little bit of an engine. It still feels kind of expensive to me, but being able to three for one somebody or two for one somebody for four mana at instant speed is not. I, I do think you have to get the three part of the time yeah when i say it out loud it's like it's got to be better than coligan's command right well the other thing is you know what also kills two things artifacts and champions at instant speed for four meta that you can also just cast for free that people play it's force force vigor so it's like is if you're sideboarding this against hammer you have to have some sort of good reason to not just be playing force of vigor because you're playing green you know i definitely feel reluctant about this card in modern Unfortunately, which yeah. kind of takes away the best 
cycling targets for it, right. the best ways to feed your graveyard. And so I, I wonder a little bit in that case, maybe it has more well, of a and, and modern is probably the more the format that's the most diverse in terms of card types, right? Where you're not going to find a deck in standard that has those four types. It's not you, you can't, you know what I mean? You're lucky if you get two in standard. So yeah, yeah, interesting, but maybe not quite, huh? It reads powerful. It right? does. Like decimate. I we were. I was just going to say we were just talking about decimate, and here it is where they've made it a little easier to cast. A little bit. Let me see. All right, I'm going to give you my random card. Done. Okay. This is like a card that I'm. I haven't seen anybody else talk about. That I'm curious what you think about. And I don't even think it has a real translation yet. It's on Scryfall right now. With the charger? Yes. It's called Kylox's <laughs> cell phone charger on, on there. Okay. This card. I'm checking the tape on this. Is, I need to see if it's actually called the cell phone charger. Did they change it yet? Well, re- read it. Read what it is. I'll, I'll find I will. It. All right. So it's an artifact vehicle. It has collect evidence six, and it's Kylox's cell phone charger becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. And then it says whenever Kylox's cell phone charger attacks, you may cast. It's Kylox's voltage strider. Yeah, that's what it says on the website now. Oh, well, but it's still Kylox. Okay, Kylox. Oh, true. Yeah, it is Kylox. Weird. Me and Kylox go way back. Um, so whenever Kylox's voltage charger attacks, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from among the cards exiled with it. If a spell is cast this way, would be put into your graveyard, put it on the bottom of your library instead. It is crew two. This piqued my interest because it's a mythic and it's not that expensive. And it's a vehicle that can crew for a much lower like cost than the power of the vehicle is, which is usually a good indication of a kind of playable card. But then I was looking at even more and I was like, well, it can also snap caster mage something back for you into your deck. What if I just want to like cast collect or use treasure crews on collect evidence to auto equip it and then recast my treasure cruise with it afterwards. Cause it's only one, it only takes one card to auto equip it then. Right. I don't know. This card to me looks like it could be a fit for some kind of blue red spells deck. I don't know about necessarily Phoenix, but it was definitely, it piqued my interest as an alternate threat because of all of the different angles for what you can use the pieces of it for. Right. I, so I actually, when I saw this card, I kind of the, basically the immediate, the, the, the same thing immediately came to mind with me was pairing this with Cruise and dig. So there's a, a deck in pioneer that has some similar characteristics to Phoenix, but not quite the same thing. And that's the Drake's deck. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about the Drake's deck is it already wants to play fable. Now this card is specifically very good with fable. Now I know magic cards are good with fable. I right. get it, but you can, <laughs> What you can do is you can just discard the cruise to the fable or the dig through time, right? Not have to cast it, and then you can just use that cruise to to crew the the cell phone charger, and then you just get to cast the cruise again later so, on. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah later on. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's it's really cool. Where uh, does it say cast without paying its mana cost? You mean cast? No, it's not without paying its mana cost. Uh, yeah, you have okay. to pay the mana cost. I missed that part. Okay, less good. But I mean, I don't know if you can like fill your graveyard. It is still pretty powerful with cruises and digs. Um, But yeah, like just the fact that you can sort of like just dumping the cruise and then you only having to exile one card to crew it instead of stuff like that. And like you said, crew two, it's pretty low crew cost, gets crewed by Fable. Um, Could be something there. I don't hate it. Yeah, I think this is a cool card. I misread it. I thought you could cast it for free. It's a little bit whistleblower than I thought it's it was. It's definitely worse than than that. Like that, that, that would have been a slam dunk for <laughs> yeah. sure. If we're like, okay, turn turn you know, turn three, turn four, I'm just dumping my cruise and I don't have to empty my graveyard to make it work. Um but I like it. I do like that this is 
another one of those things where it's sort of a graveyard-driven threat that is somewhat resilient to graveyard hates, right? Where it's kind of like, okay, I only have to have the card there for a second before I can crew it. And it's a no-mana-activated ability, so I can kind of the way this is written, it's like I can collect evidence whenever I want. If I just want to get the card under the, the cell phone charger for later, it just sits there. Right. Like so, if your opponent casts, like you have a, tru- a cruise in your graveyard and your opponent go blanks you, you can just respond, exile the cruise, evidence six, and then later on, maybe next turn when you attack with the charger, then you can cast the cruise that turn. Yeah. So it's kind of You cool. can also just get rid of every card in your graveyard. You can that activate too. it yep. once and you then can over there it. you go. And so I was, I, I was wondering about that aspect of collect evidence as well when we were talking earlier if there were some people who are just going to use it to exile their own graveyard for some reason some reason one of which you already found like it's a play that could right. come up so you can overpay on collect evidence right i think you can. definitely it says it says up uh at at least or something you know whatever the yeah, language is or more. Like, yeah, yeah or more all right you want to pick one last card save the rest for next time that was the cell phone charger. What else do I have in my list? We got that. We got that. And we got that. Okay. Let's do, let's do sharp eyed rookie. Okay. I think I, this is, this is another one that kind of piqued my interest. So this is going to be oh, col- colorless and a green for a two, two human detective. It's got vigilance and it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it's power is greater than sharp eyed rookies power or toughness is greater than sharp eyed rookies toughness, you put a counter on sharp eyed rookie and investigate. So very similar to, um, what is, what is that? Those one, the one mana one, one, not experiment one, but the other one, um, the one the that from, yes, it no, it's, it's one, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a green one mana one, one, whenever a creature with bigger power top just enters the battlefield, put a counter on it. Yeah. That was popular um, in, at the beginning of pioneer. Right. Yeah. So again, another potential player for pioneer scales, because every single time a new set rolls around, I do have to do the the casual copium league where, you know, I'll take my pioneer scales deck, I'll throw some new cards into it. And uh, it's never good, but it's always a lot of fun. But I don't know. I mean, like if you can find a way, the, the important part about this card is it's obviously good, but scales, you can find ways to take advantage of plus one, plus one counters. The one thing that's important about this card is trying to take advantage of the investigate tokens yes. because it's just free game objects and game objects are good. It's nice that this thing plays offense and defense, too. I think vigilance is huge, huge in a card like this. Yeah, this card reminds me weirdly of Tireless Tracker, kind of. In a way, where it's yeah. like, okay, get bigger and also investigate over and over again. And it's not that hard to build a curve where you have multiple creatures that are very low cost that will help you, that will kind of come in in this way, especially if you kind of figure out the right way to take advantage of scales and all those things, or maybe you find a way to move counters around via, via other, other ways to do it. So I don't know. This is a cool card. I haven't, I had not noticed this one. It's a cool one. It's, it's basically on your point to being tireless tracker. It's kind of like tireless tracker, but instead of playing land drops, the, the way to make it better is just play more creatures, which you probably want to do in your green aggressive deck anyways. Yep. So, yep. Yep. Absolutely. I like that one. All right. Can we close on one last thing? Just because I think it's going to be a short discussion. Okay. Is it long goodbye? No, but that's a good card. And thematically, it makes sense for the last card that we talk about. (laughs) Do you want to talk about two cards? Do you want to talk about long goodbye real quick? 
Uh, I mean, it's pretty simple. Black and a colorless instant spell can't be countered. Destroy to a creature or planeswalker with mana value three or less. Nothing fancy. It's going to be a good sideboard card. Um, I don't have too many notes on it. It's just good to, to yeah. bring up because I think people will play this card. I think they'll play it multi-format too. Yes. Like it's Pioneer at least. I don't think it'll end up in modern very often, but it's a good card. I could see people playing this card in Vintage. Because oh, really? Vintage is all about Planeswalkers. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of counter spells like Oko. Oh, you can play Oko in Vintage. Right. So any card that uncounterable kills. kills Oko for two mana is pretty good. That seems really, really good. All right. Surveil, fetchable surveil lands. Okay. These are interesting. It's a whole Weird. cycle of, of lands that when they come in, they're dual lands that when they come, they come into play tapped. And when they come in, you surveil one. I'm not going to read any of the names of any of them. I don't think these really mean that much, but I do think it's interesting to maybe have a fun of in your deck so that you can fetch up a, in a position where you really want to make sure you're going to have a good draw. If you're desperate late in the game to be able to fetch it up and get a top, you know, try to have two looks at your top deck basically. But I don't know if people are really do that or not. So I'm of the opinion that if your deck is two colors and you have a fetch land mana base, you will want to play one copy of this. Yeah. So I think Merc title probably want one. Scam will probably want one as a Rhinos player. I'm likely going to cut the triumph for one of these because i think being able to fix your draws early is better than cycling a triumph late so that's kind of the the idea for me i don't think i've ever cycled a triumph Devin. i have to be totally honest like i feel like every time that i've had the mana and the time to do it i've also been like well i could really just use the land anyway so i'm just gonna use it on my land drop you know so it was something that occurred to me there's no way that these cards are better than triumphs but as a as you know quote unquote better than triumphs but i do think that there's a chance that people run these as one ofs for tight situations where you get one so you and i are thinking about the same way yeah they're they're not better than triumphs but they're different Different in the sense of you are getting the fixing, like the fixing is front loaded. And by fixing, I mean card selection. Right. So triumphs are better when you're flooding out. You draw a triumph. You're like, okay, I have all this, all this extra mana. I could just cycle my triumph. But earlier in the game, you would much rather have the, the surveil land because you don't have to spend mana on it, especially yep. if you want to spend mana on other things. Like, you know, example, you want to, uh, like your opening hand is like you're, you're scamming and you're just like, you have a grief, but you're missing a not dead. You can just play a surveil land on one to get you one closer to that not dead on turn two or something yeah. like that. You know yep. what I mean? So it's like if your deck has proactive early plays, I think these are much, much better than triumphs. Yeah. Yeah. Unless now, obviously, with Leyland Binding, the triumphs mean a lot more to other decks. I, I could see that. But definitely. if you don't have Binding, then these seem like a free roll. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, totally agree. All right. So keep that in mind. You might want to try experimenting with one of these going for. I could see a lot of people now that the way you've talked about it that way, I could see a lot of people like the default turn one play or the not default, <laughs> but the bad version of people's turn one play where you're like, yeah. my hand is OK, but not great. Or I just mold surveil land or I mold the six. Right. And I'm like, OK, so it's like fetch land surveil land and make sure that I try to fix my draw as best as I can. I think I think that makes sense, especially with specifically with me. I've been I've been on this kick lately where I'm keeping a lot of two lanterns and rhinos and if i just had a surveil land to fetch on turn one to make it that much more likely to hit my third land drop i'd feel much better about keeping those hands yeah awesome all right well thank you so much for going through this this is this was a lot of fun it's always fun to go through through new sets so it's good to just i love i love new sets so much fun me too so good all right and with that that wraps up this week's show if you haven't yet make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out and if you use apple Podcasts, please please leave us a rating and review if you'd like to submit a question to the podcast reach out let us know that you're going to be in chicago that's the big thing that we want people to consider let us know if you're coming tweet us at at the dive down all one word or email the dive down at gmail.com 
patreon.com. If you'd like to support the show, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. Our store is at the dive down.com slash store. You know, have you play? We've talked about it. Use the code the dive down 2024 for 10% off your first order. Mana traders, you've got that code in our in our show notes. Go check it out for 10% off your first two months of magic online cards. And finally, as always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Space Blood for letting us use their music for five years at this point. The first several episodes of this show, the music was a song called Three Strange Days by the band School of Fish, and we're glad we never got any copyright strikes for that. (laughs) They're coming after us. Yeah, exactly. Until next week, get out there and investigate some cases in your disguise while you're cloaked at Carlock Manor. Carlock Manor.